1 Corinthians 15, verse 53 and 54. I'm reading from the King James Version. It says, For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Let's go on to verse 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? This passage of scripture seems to suggest that we, as believers, have power over death. fact of the matter is that we, as believers, do have power over death death. But those who have not received the Lord Jesus Christ into their heart as their Lord and Savior might ask the question, how do you or how can I have power over death? Well, we have power over death through faith in Jesus Christ, whom God resurrected from the dead after his crucifixion. We recall that in our last lesson, which was part one, we emphasized a very popular passage of scripture found in the gospel of St. John chapter three, verses 16 and 17. And it reads, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, should not die, should not see death, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. There are many kept promises and many benefits that come through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Power over death is one and probably the most important benefit that we as believers have. Most of us recall the story of Job in the book of Job, the Old Testament, in the Old Testament. And um, in Job's season of suffering, he asked a question in Job 14 and verse 14. If a man dies, shall he live again? Now, many of us may look at this question as one of the most important questions in life. If a man dies, shall he live again? Let's go to that passage of scripture found in Job, the 14th chapter. And I will read verses 14 and 15 from the Christian Standard Bible. And then we'll move on to the 19th chapter in which we're, we're going to look at another important supporting passage of scripture to what we are reading right now. Reading from the Christian Standard Bible translation, it says, when a person dies, verse 14, will he come back to life? If so, I would wait all the days of my struggle until my relief comes. King James Version says, until my change comes. You would call and I would answer you. You would long for the work of your hands. Because of Job's extreme calamity, he saw his life as difficult service unto God, but also 
exercising patience in suffering. In thinking about his own death, he did not expect a dark ending, but Job was filled with hope. He thought about or he expected a change or a transformation for the better. Let's look at that 19th chapter of Job, verses 25 through 27. And it reads, But I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the end he will stand on the dust. Even after my skin has been destroyed, yet I will see God in my flesh. I will see him myself. My eyes will look at him and not as a stranger. My heart longs within me. The prophets of the Old Testament also make reference to life after death or the resurrection. For example, um, one of the clearest Old Testament references to the resurrection or life after death was spoken by an angel to Daniel. And that particular verse or verses are found in Daniel the 12th chapter. So let's go to Daniel the 12th chapter and let's look at verses 2 and 3. Many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to eternal life and some to disgrace and eternal contempt. Those who have insight will shine like the bright expanse of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Amen. During Jesus' ministry, there were three incidents in the Bible in which he raised someone from the dead. There was the widow's son whom Jesus raised from the dead. That story is found in Luke, the seventh chapter. There's the raising of Jairus' daughter. We find that story in Luke 8, but also in Mark 5 and Matthew 9. And then there was the special story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. We're finding that the number three is a very special number in the Bible. It signifies so many things that have to do with the divinity of God and of Jesus Christ and the groups of numbers in which he has wrought some of his most famous miracles and works. But right now we're going to go to this special story found in the book of John. This story appears in the 11th chapter of the Gospel according to St. John. And as I read and expound on this story, I'm going to be paraphrasing in my retelling of this true story and also extracting verses from the Christian Standard Bible from this 11th chapter. One of the first things that we want to emphasize about this story is that this story involves three, three special friends of Jesus, Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus, who are all dear friends of Jesus, and they shared a very special friendship with one another. So these friends were very important to Jesus, and Jesus was very important to them. 
Now a man was sick, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Marion, Martha. Mary was the one who had anointed the, the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. You all may recall that story. And it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus and they said, Lord, the one that you love is sick. Lord, your friend, your very special brother is sick. Now, when Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness will not end in death, but it is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha, her sister and Lazarus. So when he had heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. Rabbi, the disciples told him, just now the Jews tried to stone you and you're going back there again? Aren't there 12 hours in a day? Jesus answered, if anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks during the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him. Now we know that Jesus often spoke in parables and in metaphors to bring understanding and clarity to some of his most profound teachings in particular that had to do with the kingdom and the working of the of God through him during his ministry now going down to the 11th verse we're continuing with the story Jesus said this and then he told them our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but I'm on my way to wake him up then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will get well. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, but they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus then told them plainly, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe, but let's go to him. Then Thomas said to his fellow disciples, let's go too so that we may die with him. So you see, we have a lot of confusion and a lot of very varying thoughts surrounding uh, the subject of death and sickness. Jesus had already uh, perceived, he had already known in his spirit that Lazarus had died. And because he was fully man and fully God, that means he was omniscient. He knows all things. He knew all things. And he already knew that Lazarus had experienced physical death already. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, less than two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary remained seated in the house. And then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you've been here, my brother would not have died. Yet even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. That was a statement of faith right there that Martha spoke. She said, yet even now, I know, even though my brother is dead, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. 
Jesus said in verse 23, your brother will rise again. And Martha was a little bit confused. She said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. Having said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher's here and he's calling for you. As soon as Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to cry there. As soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you put him? He asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. The 35th verse says, Jesus wept. And when I see this 35th verse, Jesus wept, just two words. It has such a profound, heavy impact. And it makes me think of the scripture in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, because it exemplifies Jesus's ability as a human being to identify with every possible human emotion and feeling that can ever be demonstrated. And this verse says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So therefore, since Jesus is not only fully God, but he is also fully man, identifies with the pain and sorrow, the joys and happiness, and all the many emotions that we experience throughout life, but yet he is fully God. Verse 16 says, let us therefore. So if all of this is the reality and Jesus is all that he is and he can relate to us and we can relate to him, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Amen. That's Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16. So let's go back to our story in John 11 and let's pick up at verse 36. And it says, So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Then there you have your skeptics again. Couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? So this man has done so many miracles. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus alive? Could he have kept Lazarus from dying? So, you know, no matter what, how much good you do, you're always going to have people who are skeptical. Verse 38, then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. 
It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister told him, Lord, there is already a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this so that they may believe that you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The dead man came out bound, hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. In Jesus's miracles of raising someone from the dead, and in this particular story, his beloved friend, Lazarus, we talked about three incidents where Jesus performed such a miracle. And what I find significant about this miracle is that Jesus is demonstrating his power over death, his power over death. And the fact that there were three miracles such as this that Jesus performed ooh, gives so much uh, relevance to his own power over his own death. Because we know that when Jesus was crucified, he laid in the tomb for three days and God raised him from the dead. And Jesus rose from the dead with all power in his hands. And because of Jesus, we too have power over death. The book of Romans chapter eight, verse 17, really places emphasis on the fact that we have power, the same power afforded to Jesus Christ over death we too have the power over death. Let's look at verse 17 of Romans 8. You don't have to turn to it, but just listen and reread it into your heart as I read this verse. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, joint heirs with Christ, heirs of God and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Amen. Amen. What a rich promise. When we were reading in John 11, in verse 25, Jesus spoke very directly to Martha. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? He asked Martha. What does Jesus mean when he says, I am the resurrection and the life? To be dead and to be raised from the dead is a miracle in itself and so in answering the question what did Jesus mean when he said I am the resurrection and the life we're going to go back 
to the story of the cross and the events surrounding Jesus' resurrection from the dead. After Jesus died on the cross and his body was taken down and prepared for burial, placed in Joseph's new tomb, And when the first day of the week dawned, we find that the tomb was empty. And shortly after, Jesus appeared numerous times to his followers, as many as 500 of them on one occasion. And his resurrection proved that Jesus was who he claimed to be, the Son of God sent from heaven to save us from our sins, but it also proved for all time that there is indeed life after death. This is the whole resurrection story. Jesus is proof that we have life after death. The resurrection actually just totally destroys the finality of death theory that death is the final frontier that when you die that's it it totally blows that out of the, the water because the most important events in human history are the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ without this true story the cross the story of the cross the events surrounding the crucifixion are meaningless. Jesus made this wonderfully profound statement that changed the whole entire world and our thought process about the finality and the mortality of man. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. So the resurrection is the greatest hope that we have as believers today. So you think about all of your loved ones who've passed on and they had faith in God and received the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Well, their destiny is secure. They have the assurance of eternal life. They are already experiencing the utopia of a new life for all eternity in the presence of a loving God. With that being the profound hope of all believers throughout this entire world, I must ask the question, do you have that hope? Are you sure that your anchor holds and grips the solid rock, which is Jesus Christ? Will you see your loved ones who knew God here while in the earth? Will you see them again in heaven? Will you see them on the other side in the kingdom of God where there is no more death, no more sickness, no more heartache, no more pain, but nothing but joy unspeakable and full of glory? Do you have that hope? Well, if you do not know Jesus in the pardon of your sins, that's an easy fix. Because 
salvation is freely given to those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And we can go through a very simple prayer right now and pray that the Lord Jesus come into your heart. If that is your desire today, then we're going to say a prayer that will secure your place in the kingdom and that will define you from this point for the rest of your life as a believer in Jesus Christ, God's only begotten son who came to earth to save us from the penalty of sin, which is death and has graciously given us the promise of eternal life. The 10th chapter of Romans verses 9 and 10 read this. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, that is right standing with God. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And when we go down to the 13th verse, we find these comforting words. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you ready to take that next step in a new life in Christ Jesus? He wants to give you the abundant life through placing your faith and trust in him. If you are ready to take that step, let's pray this prayer together. And I'm asking all believers on the line or on this broadcast today to pray along with me. And whoever is on the line and on this broadcast today ready to give their heart to our Lord Jesus Christ. Dear God, I know I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus Christ is your son and I believe that he died for my sin and that you raised him to life. I want to trust him as my savior and follow him as Lord from this day forward. Guide my life and help me to do your will. I pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. God loves us all so very much and all of heaven is rejoicing for another soul has been added to the roster of those who have become seated in the heavenly places in the presence of an almighty God. I thank you for listening in to our lesson today and I hope that it has encouraged you and enlightened you in ways that maybe you've never been enlightened before or maybe it has just strengthened what you already believe and know about God and the amazing love that he has for us. He loved us so much that he gave us his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall never die, but have everlasting life. Yes, we do have power over death. And in closing, I'm going to read a final scripture. And it's a beautiful passage of scripture to encourage us as we journey on through this very difficult road called life. But we know that wherever we go and whatever we encounter, the trials, the tribulations and hardships, God is with us. He is the good shepherd and his rod 
and his staff. They comfort us through every twist and turn, every hardship, every difficulty of life. God is there to bring us out, to bring glory to his name and to show us the great love that he has for us. Amen. So let's turn to the book of Revelation in closing. This is our final scripture. Revelation 21, beginning at verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things have passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and hearing and the doing of his holy word. May you be blessed in your going out and in your coming in. May the face of God, his sweet countenance, shine upon you forever. God bless you until we meet again. Be empowered through the word of God. Thank you.